All right. Uh, thank you so much. I'm going to come on this side because I always go to the right. And, uh, uh, but uh, anyway, thank you so much for uh, being here today. Uh, it's a great day to, to be in God's house. And uh, so many people are coming. And uh, we see new folks every Sunday. And that is, that is great to see folks uh, every Sunday. Uh, of course, if you look in our worship folder, there's not a lot going on because there's just not a lot going on. We're still sort of in a holding pattern. But uh, we're, uh, we're glad you're coming. Uh, in Bible study this morning, uh, we had 61. Uh, we were down just a little bit, but uh, uh, we appreciate those coming. And if you feel comfortable, we want you to come back. We try to do as good as we possibly can with spacing and all that. And but uh, thank you for being here today as we uh, worship the Lord. This is His day. Uh, he's still in control. And uh, we know He is. But uh, we appreciate you coming and worshiping Him and give, him, give thanks for, for all that He has done and for protection He's provided for us. So thank you so much for being here. Brother Roger. I was sinking deep in sin, far up the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry, from the waters lifted me, now safe am I. Love lifted me, love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me, oh, love lifted me, love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me. All my heart to Him I give, ever to Him I'll cling in His name. Love so mighty and so true Merits my soul's best song Faithful, loving service due to Him belong Oh, love lifted me, love lifted me When nothing else could help Love lifted me, oh, love lifted me Love lifted me when nothing else could help, love lifted me. Souls in danger, look above, Jesus completely saved. He will lift you by His love out of the angry waves. He's the master of the sea, billows His will obey. He your Savior wants to be me saved today. Oh, love lifted me, love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me, love lifted me, love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me. Good morning and welcome. It's good to see all of you out here. Good crowd here today. We're glad that you're here. Turn around and wave at everybody. <laughs> wave at everybody. Let them know that you're glad to see them here today. 
If you're a first-time guest in our service, we're especially glad you came today. If you would take the order of service and uh, tear the little tab off where it says, Welcome to First Baptist Church, uh, fill that out. And then when you exit the service today, there are offering plates out there on the back table. You will put in the offering plate. That way we'll have a record of your visit with us. We won't bug you or harass you. We just want to know that you are here. And I uh, give you uh, thanks for coming today. Also, if you have your tithe, your offering today, put it in the offering plate today as you exit the service. We welcome you. Also, there's a table out there uh, with a box on it, and there are cards out there. We're writing cards of encouragement to our sheriff's department, to our sheriff's deputies. There's uh, something like a little over 100 uh, sheriff's deputies, and uh, we don't have near that many cards yet in that box, so we need at least 100 cards in that box. So take some of those. Uh, you can take two or three of them. Write some notes of encouragement, and we'll do it this Sunday, and then uh, again next Sunday, and then we'll take it to the sheriff's department and uh, they, they're going to get those words of encouragement. How they need that these days, don't they? They definitely need to know that we're praying for them, and we're behind them 100%. But it's good to welcome you here today, and I guess you can remain standing, Brother No, Roger. really, I can be seated. Let them sit down, okay, be seated. <laughs> Locked up tight in a prison cell for preaching the gospel truth. Paul and Silas love to tell just what their Lord could do. Bound in chains in a cold, dark mountain, they prayed anyway. They God was up to something when the ground began to shake. So sing, brother, sing. I can hear that rumbling sound. Pray, brother, pray, but the walls come tumbling down. Shackles are broken, doors swing wide open. Thanks to the earth, hey, heaven's calling for a chill break. I know the joy of living free, but I've been held captive too. I refuse to be deceived. I know what just what to do. I raise my voice and lift my hands and praise Him anyway. The saints of old will pull me through as Paul and Silas say. They say, sing, brother, sing. I can hear that rumbling sound. Pray, brother, pray as the walls come tumbling down. Shackles are broken, doors swing wide open. Heaven's calling for a jailbreak. Ground shakes, earthquakes, saints praise. Jailbreak, earth shakes, earthquakes, saints praise. We're having a jailbreak sing, brother, sing. I can hear that rumbling sound. Pray, brother, pray, as the walls come tumbling down. Shackles are broken, the doors swing wide open. Can't you feel the earthquake? Heaven's calling for a jailbreak. Can't you feel the earthquake? Heaven's calling for a jailbreak. Oh, the doors swing wide open. Calling for a jailbreak. Can't you feel the earthquake? Heaven's calling. 
right there. Well, that woke Christina up. <laughs> oh, it is good to be in the house of the Lord to sing praises, just to come together as a family and uh, just to get revived, get our batteries charged. Revive us again. We praise Thee, O God, for the Spirit of love, for Jesus who died and is now gone above. Hallelujah, Thine the glory. Hallelujah, Amen. Hallelujah, Thine the glory. Revive us again. We praise Thee, O God, for the Spirit shown us our Savior and scattered our night. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Hallelujah, amen. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Revive us again. All glory and praise to the Lamb that was slain. And cleanse every Hallelujah, thine the glory. Hallelujah, amen. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Revive us again. Revive us again. Fill each heart with thy love. May soul be rekindled with fire from above. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Hallelujah. Mr. Children's Church, uh, you're going with uh, them, with Miss Chris to Children's Church. You can exit at this time. All right. We are learning to lean on Jesus, aren't we? We have to lean on Him. But we need prayer in our nation right now, don't we? One of the things I've been uh, convicted about just in recent days is us as a church getting more engaged in prayer. So on the 18th, which is a week from uh, this Tuesday, wants to have another day of prayer here at the church. And we did this back in May. 
the National Day of Prayer, if you recall, the church was open all day for people to come and go and spend time at the altar praying for our nation, praying for different needs. And I'm also going to talk with some of the other pastors around here and uh, see if they are interested in doing the same thing on that day, on the 18th. Uh, we start off, uh, we always have a men's prayer group that gets together at 7 a.m. that day. We always pray on Tuesday morning, so all men are welcome to come join us. Well, women too, you can come, whatever. But uh, we always start off Tuesdays with prayer, and so we'll just make that the day of prayer on the 18th, and we'll just continue through the day. The church will be open, and I have a prayer guide for you to come and just engage in prayer, spending time here praying for our nation, praying for our church, just praying for, for all the needs we see around us how we need to be people of prayer. This is altar time in our church, opportunity for you to come down now and pray for this service and pray for different needs that you are aware of around you. So I invite you to come and join me. Our deacons always lead the way doing this, so come down and join me as you feel led. And let's pray for this service. our deacon on call this week and he's going to lead us in a word of prayer our most loving and heavenly father lord we got a lot of problems in in our country and it's my prayer that the good people will come forward and take a stand that we've got so many problems going on that uh, I pray that and uplift all of our leaders, Lord, that, that they'll have the courage to, to do what's right. I pray for this service, Lord, that if that all hearts will be open to receive your word and we know that it comes from you, Father, and it comes through Brother Robert's lips. Lord, I just uh, pray that if there's one person here that is not right with you, that this would be the day that they get right. If there's one person that does not know you, Lord, may this be the greatest day of their life. And Lord, I just uh, pray that you would be with me and my family. Forgive us where we failed you, Lord. And ask all these things in your son's precious, beautiful name. Amen. Amen.
We come in this morning to sing praises to his name. We bring the sacrifice of praise. Let's stand and sing. We bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. We bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. And we offer up to you the sacrifices of thanksgiving. And we offer up to you the sacrifices of joy. We bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. We bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. And we offer up to you the sacrifices of thanksgiving. And we offer up to you the sacrifices of joy. Father, we just come before your throne this morning singing praises to your name. <coughs> Father, you, we invite you here this morning. We invite you to freely move amongst us, Lord, because we are hungry for your word. We are thirsty for your touch. Father, as, as a wanderer in the desert, we come to your throne asking you to give us that water. We come thirsty, wanting a touch from Father, we give you freedom here this morning to touch our hearts, to speak your words to Brother Robert. Fill us this morning. Fill us this morning. Quench our thirst. All who are thirsty, all who are weak, come to the fountain.
Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Come. I get a prayer. Come, Lord Jesus. Well, amongst us, oh, come, Lord Jesus. Come. We need your touch. Lord, I'm ready now. I'm waiting for your triumphant return. You're coming so soon. The Lord has nothing for me. I find my peace and joy solely in you. Only in you. I want the world to see you're alive and living well in me. Let me be a part of the harvest, for the days are few. You're coming so soon. So people get ready, Jesus is coming, soon we'll be going home. People get ready, Jesus is coming, cake from the world is old. People get ready, Jesus is coming, soon we'll be going home. People get ready, Jesus is coming, soon we'll be going home. We'll be going home. that comes when we will be divided right and left for those who know him and those who do not know those who know him well will meet him in the air hallelujah God is with us those who do not know they will hear Heart, I knew you not. 
are my friends, you see. There will be a day when we'll be counted. Know him well, know him well. People that ready, Jesus is coming. Soon we'll be going home. People get ready, Jesus is coming. The cake from the world is old. People get ready, Jesus is coming. Soon we'll be going home. People get ready, Jesus is coming. The cake from the world is old. To take his own, to take his own. We'll be going home. We'll be going home. We'll be going home. you so much Cynthia great worship this morning great worship it's good to see you here today to help us uh, lift up praise to the Lord we've been uh, for some uh, weeks now I guess uh, several months in a Sunday morning series from the book of first Thessalonians and this morning we're moving to chapter 5 chapter 5 of first Thessalonians verse 1 through 11 I'll think on the subject this morning are you ready for the day of the Lord are you ready for the day of the Lord? That's an ominous sounding question. I hope it is. Last week I told you in the message there's no shortage of speculation about what happens after people die. There are a lot of people that speculate about that and they tend to go to the wrong places to look for answers. Only the Word of God gives us answers about what happens after a person dies. Also, there's no shortage of people who speculate about the time of Jesus' return. That's not a new phenomenon. That's been all through church history. People have been speculating about the time of the Lord Jesus' return, when it's going to happen, many times trying to put a date on it. In the year 1000, when it turned 1000 A.D., there was intense speculation about something happening. Why? It was the year 1000. That's all. When it turned the year 2000 A.D., there was intense speculation because it was the year 2000. During the 1840s, there was a lot of expectation throughout America. A man named William Miller began a movement in the northeast part of the country. And he actually put a date on the second coming. Of course, it didn't happen. But today we have the Seventh-day Adventists, which is the group that came out of that movement of William Miller. 
Come to the 20th century, both the, the world wars were opportunities for people to speculate about the second coming because it must have certainly seemed like the world was coming to an end. A lot of speculation around World War I and World War II. Then in 1948, when Israel became a nation again, that sparked a lot of speculation. It still does. That's probably a very important event, though, on the prophetic calendar. Then you come to the 1970s. In 1970, Hal Lindsey published his book, The Late Great Planet Earth. Maybe you read that book. Maybe you read that book? I'm surprised more didn't. <laughs> that book was a publishing phenomenon. I think I read it when I was a senior in high school, maybe first year of college. And people just went nuts over that book. They had the Bible in one hand, late great planet Earth in the other hand. That's all they had to have to figure out the second coming. 1991, the first Gulf War took place. It's amazing how fast books on Bible prophecy hit the stands. So, anytime there's something going on in the world, especially in the Middle East, people do begin to speculate. Now, we know we're moving closer and closer and closer to the time of the end. No doubt about that. You and I may be the generation that's going to see all the end-time events come about. We very well may be. But anytime people have tried to put a date on it and say this is when it's going to happen, they have always been wrong and they always will be. Even Jesus said he didn't know when he was going to come back. Why do you think you can do better? <laughs> Even Jesus said that he didn't know. And the Apostle Paul refuses to be drawn to a discussion of, of times and seasons in the passage we'll look at today. Now, if you think back to chapter 4, verse 13 through 18, we looked at that last week, that focuses on the fate of those who have died in Christ. What's going to happen if Jesus returns? Will they miss out on anything? And Paul writes to assure them that's not the case at all. But then he comes to chapter 5, verse 1 through 11, and this is more concerning those who are alive. Will we be prepared? That should be our concern, for sure. Are we prepared? So it's not so much figuring out the date. Are you ready? Are you ready? People get ready. Jesus is coming. Let's take a look at this passage together. I invite you to stand with me. To honor God's Word as we read it together and ask Him to speak to us today. Paul writes, Now as to the times and the epochs, brethren, you have no need of anything to be written to you. For you yourselves know full well that the day of the Lord will come just like a thief in the night. While they are saying peace and safety, then destruction will come upon them suddenly like labor pains upon a woman with child, and they will not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness that the day would overtake you like a thief. For you are all sons of light and sons of day. We are not of night and not of darkness. So then, let us not sleep as others do, but let us be alert and sober. For those who sleep do their sleeping at night. Those who get drunk get drunk at night. Well, since we are of the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us. So that whether we are awake or asleep, we will live together with Him. Therefore, encourage one another, and build up one another, just as you also are doing. Let's pray together. Father, we pray Your Word comes alive today. It takes root in our hearts. Father, I pray for every person uh, sitting here today. I ask your blessings upon each one. Father,
Open our minds. Open our hearts. Help us to be prepared for your return. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Maybe seated. Now, a contrast here, people walking in darkness and people walking in light. Those who are outside of Christ walk in the darkness. Those who are with Him are walking in the light. As Cynthia sang in the song just a few moments ago, there comes a day of division. There comes a day of division. That's clear all through the Scripture. There's wheat and tares, sheep and goats. There's no in-between. There's no in-between. They're either in the light or in the dark. Now, it refers to the, the day of the Lord here. The day of the Lord. That, that's an Old Testament phrase. It refers to the day when God would intervene in history and vindicate His righteous cause and bring judgment upon His enemies. And so the Old Testament, the Israelites longed for the day of the Lord. For Him to come and set everything right. Vindicate His righteous cause. Wipe out their enemies. The day of the Lord was going to bring that out. All the Old Testament prophets talk about the day of the Lord. Amos talks about the day of the Lord, but he's writing to people who have rebelled, people who have sinned, they've drifted away from God. They have a show of religion, but it's really fake, it's really false. And so he says to these people, look, you're longing for the day of the Lord, that won't be a day of light for you. It's going to be a day of darkness for you. It would reveal who is on which side. Who is on which side. Now, in the New Testament, it takes over this phraseology. It talks about the day of Jesus or the day of the Lord Jesus or simply the day. Or just simply the day. It talks about the day that is coming. Think about it this way. Here's the day of the Lord. Here it is out here, say, say as a wall. Before Christ came the first time, we were headed straight for that. But now since the first coming of Christ, that's changed. Now we're running along parallel to it. We're always on the brink of it. We're always equally close to it. So in the Chronicles of Narnia, I mentioned that last week, Aslan, the great lion who represents Jesus, he comes and goes throughout the stories and he's about to go away. And the children say, Oh, Aslan, will you return again soon? He says, I'll call all times soon. So when the New Testament writers talk about the return of Jesus and they say it's coming soon, they're not wrong. They weren't wrong because it's always soon. Soon doesn't always mean soon in a chronological sense in the Bible. It's more the idea of, of certainty. More the idea of certainty. Listen to the book of Revelation, how it starts off. The very first chapter, the very first verses say this. The revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave Him to show to His bondservants the things which must soon take place. And he sent and communicated it by his angel to his bondservant John, who testified to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Blessed is he who reads, and those who hear the words of the prophecy and heed the things written in it, for the time is near. And then chapter 22, verse 20, next to last verse in the Bible says this, He who testifies to these things says, Yes, I am coming quickly. I am coming quickly. Well, in a chronological sense, obviously it didn't happen quickly. But we are always right on the brink. We're always right on the edge. It's always soon. It's always soon. So, live it in light of that. Paul contrasts people who are in the darkness. People who are in the light. Let's think about that this morning. Those who walk in the darkness. He talks about this in the first uh, three verses. 
Three things characterize those who are walking in the darkness, those who are outside the Lord. First of all, they are unprepared for the day of the Lord. It will come upon them like a thief in the night. Now, a thief doesn't send a text or an email to tell you he's going to break into your house, does he? <laughs> if he's got any sense, he doesn't. Sometimes you hear about stupid criminals sometimes, don't you? <laughs> Uh, we got our house broken into one time when we lived in the parsonage over here. In fact, it was our first wedding anniversary. And we were going to go away to Tyler and spend the night at a bed and breakfast. And uh, Cynthia was working in Shreveport at that time. And so we decided to meet at my parents' house down there in town. And we left one of the cars there and then went on to Tyler. So none of our cars, neither of our cars were over here in the carport. And I left in a hurry. I didn't leave any lights on in the house. Half the blinds were up. The real obvious, nobody was home. Like we stuck a sign on the house that said, hey, nobody's home, come rob us. <laughs> so somebody did. So somebody did. Well, we just never, you know, just never occurred to us that that might happen. We were totally unprepared, totally unprepared for that. Well, this world is going on its merry way, isn't it? It is going on its merry way, oblivious to coming judgment. Peter writes about that in his second epistle. Listen to what he writes in chapter 3 of 2 Peter, beginning in verse 3. He says, Know this first of all, in the last days mockers will come with their mocking, following after their own lusts, and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all continues just as it was from the beginning of creation. When they maintain this, it escapes their notice that by the word of God the heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of water and by water, through which the world at that time was destroyed, being flooded with water. So Peter says that as time goes on, mockers will come, saying, where's the promise of His coming? Things are just rocking along just like they were ever since it was from the beginning, you know. Cataclysmic things like judgment don't happen. And Peter says, no. It has happened before. It's already happened once. It's a flood. That's the point he tries to make to these people. But those walking in darkness are going to be unprepared, totally unprepared for the day of the Lord. In verse 3, there's a second thing that characterizes those who walk in darkness is, is that they have a false sense of security. A false sense of security. Peace and safety, when they're crying, peace and safety. Good political slogan, isn't it? Actually, that was a political slogan in the days of the Roman Empire. The Pax Romana, Roman peace. They brought peace throughout the whole Mediterranean world and forced peace is what it was. But they promised people that if you come, you submit to us, we'll give you peace and security. We'll give you peace and security. Think about the political promises that we hear sometimes today. Universal health care. Guaranteed income for all. Free college tuition. This is free. That's free. 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 From the womb to the tomb, we'll take care of you. <laughs> you ever hear that? Hey, you, we hear it all the time. It's just political promises. And, and to Paul, that's always an empty promise. The world cannot give you that. The world cannot give you that. So, the Old Testament... Many times, the prophets, though, they will contrast true prophets and false prophets. The false prophet, well, the true prophet, was not afraid to point out people's sin. 
He wasn't afraid to tell it like it was, but the false prophet would always give people a false sense of security. Well, you got nothing to worry about. Things are fine. And Jeremiah chides the false prophets all the time. In chapter 6 of Jeremiah, he says, You cry out, peace, peace, when there is no peace. Imagine going to the doctor, and you're sick. There's something wrong with you. The doctor runs tests on you. Then he comes in and tells you, you got nothing to worry about. You're fine. What kind of doctor would he be? <laughs> Not a very good one. Not a very good one. In the days of Noah, before the flood, Scripture says that they were buying, they were selling, they were marrying, they were giving in marriage. They were just rocking along, going their merry way until the flood came upon them and caught them totally off guard. They were totally unprepared. They had a false sense of security. Our pagan culture today has a false sense of security, doesn't it? Sometimes even people in the church have a false sense of security. People who are identified with the church, but don't really have a true relationship with Jesus Christ. I think we have a lot of folks sitting in our church pews who are lost. But they have a false sense of security, a false sense of salvation. Jeremiah chapter 7, again refer to Jeremiah. He goes and, and he preaches in chapter 7 what's called the temple sermon. And he stood there in the gates of God's house, the temple, preaching to those people who were, who were lost. They turned against God. They rebelled against the things of God. He said, you go out there and you sin, you do all these things, then you come to God's house and you say, this is the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. In other words, they thought they were okay because they were still showing up at the temple of God. Sometimes people are lost. They, they show up at church. They think that somehow that, that makes it okay just because they come to church, but they have no real relationship with the Lord. Jesus spoke ominous words when He said uh, on, on the day of judgment, many will come and say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in Your name and do this in Your name and that in Your name? And He will say, depart from Me, I never knew You. Those are hard words to hear. Those are ominous words. But those who walk in the darkness are going to have a false sense of security. But also in verse 3, the second half of verse 3, the third thing, they will not escape destruction. They will not escape destruction. Destruction will come upon them suddenly like labor pains upon a woman with child, and they will not escape. Interesting uh, picture he uses there. Earlier, he talked about a thief in the night, right? Totally unexpected. Here's a woman in labor. Now, the pregnancy is not a surprise, is it? That's been going on for several months. Here's the point he's trying to make. Once labor pains start, the outcome's inevitable. There's going to be the birth of a child. That's his point. So when the, the birth pangs of the day of the Lord, when the day of the Lord begins, there's an, there's an inevitable outcome that is destruction for those who walk in darkness. So, thief in the night, woman in labor. Two things you can say about the day of the Lord. It's unpredictable as to the time, but it's inevitable as to the outcome. It's inevitable as to the outcome. But what about those who walk in light? Verses 4 and following. Those who walk in the light. Paul says in verse 4, But you, brethren. Oftentimes Paul will use that little contrast in his letters. He'll say, this is how the world lives, but, but you, this is how you should live. So he's contrasting here. But you. Now Paul's real purpose in writing this passage is to spell out the day of the Lord's implications for those who are believers. What does it mean for us? 
How do we live in the light of that? Some things that should characterize us. In verses 4 through 6, he says that we are to be alert and sober. First thing is we're to be alert and sober. Be alert. Be sober. The coming is going to be like a thief in the night for those who are unprepared. For those who are unprepared. Even if you knew exactly when a thief's coming, if you don't do anything to prepare, it wouldn't do you any good, would it? It comes as a surprise, as a shock to those who are unprepared. But we're sons of the light, so Paul says live like it. Be alert. Be awake. Be watchful. Be sober. He's not just talking about being free from alcohol. Not just that, but also being self-controlled, living a serious, balanced, focused kind of life. Alert and sober. Sober and alert. Though that, that phraseology is used a lot of times in the New Testament. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Uh, Peter says there, be, be sober, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls about, what? Like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. So be vigilant. Be vigilant at all times. So, first of all, those who walk in light are alert and sober. Look at verse 7, the second thing. They put off the deeds of darkness. Those who sleep do their sleeping at night. Those who get drunk, get drunk at night. Things done under the cover of night. Sin is done under the cover of night. Now sleeping here is probably a metaphor for just indifference. Just falling asleep at the wheel, being indifferent. Getting drunk, that's active sin. The Christians ought to be the, the opposite of that. Alert and sober, see? It's the, it's the opposite of that, be alert and sober. Put off those deeds of darkness. Put on the deeds of light. Many times Paul uses that, that picture, put off, put on. Put off certain things, put on certain things. Like you take off shabby old clothes, you change clothes. And there's no better passage about that than Romans chapter 6. I read this passage all the time to you because I like it so much. It's so good. Romans chapter 6 verse 1. Paul says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace might increase? God forbid, how shall we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into His death? Therefore, we've been buried with Him through baptism into death, in order that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we become united with Him in the likeness of His death, certainly we shall be also in the likeness of His resurrection, knowing this, that our old self was crucified with Him, that our body of sin might be done away with. We should no longer be slaves to sin, for he who has died is freed from sin. And he goes on to that passage, if you read it, to say we put off certain deeds, we put on certain other deeds. It's not enough just, just to not do certain things. We have to actively do some other things, actively put on some other attitudes. Paul uses that 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 picture many times. Putting off and putting on. Live like a person of the light. The reason Paul wrote that passage was this. Apparently there were some who thought, well, okay, Christ died for me. He paid for all my sin. The debt's paid. Now I can live any way I want to. And Paul said, no, that's exactly what it doesn't mean. God forbid you're a new person in Christ. So you've got to live like a new person. That's his point in that passage there, Romans chapter 6. So, so we put off the deeds of darkness. We put on the deeds of life. Now verse 8, he talks about putting on spiritual armor. Since we are of the day, let us be sober 
and put on the breastplate of faith and love and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. Where have you heard that before? Ephesians chapter 6, right? Now Paul wrote uh, 1 Thessalonians about uh, 10 or 12 years before he wrote Ephesians. And so he starts into this thing of spiritual armor. It, it's more kind of fleshed out in Ephesians chapter 6. It's more like a complete picture of, of spiritual armor. And actually that, that picture goes back to Isaiah chapter 59. Actually there's God putting on the armor. But evidently Paul, you know, picked up on that there. But these pieces of armor he talks about, he talks about faith, hope, love. Where have you heard that before? A lot of places. 1 Corinthians 13, for one place, but that, that's another familiar triad in Paul. You see it all through Paul's writing. Faith, hope, love. Those are the things that we need. Put those things on. The breastplate of faith and love as a helmet, the hope of salvation. The hope of salvation. Now look at verses 9 and 10 again. For God has not destined us for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we will live together with Him. We as believers, we as Christians, will never experience the wrath of God. There's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Jesus took our sins. Jesus took the wrath of God. Jesus became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. So as, a, as Christians, we will never experience the wrath of God. We do experience the discipline of God, don't we? In fact, that's a sign of being His child, according to Hebrews chapter 12. That's a sign of being a child of God. You experience His discipline. But His wrath will come upon those of darkness, but... His wrath will never come upon us as believers because Jesus took that. Remember the story of the Passover? The Hebrews were there in Egyptian bondage and God had sent the plagues on them, on the Egyptians. The last of those plagues were the death of the Egyptian firstborn. So He tells the Israelites, take the blood of a lamb, put it on the, on the sides on the top of the doorpost, and when I see the blood, I will pass over. When I see the blood, I will pass over. Jesus was the ultimate Passover lamb who took your sin. So as believers, we are under the blood. We are under the blood. And we do experience this discipline as children. It's like a parent disciplines their child in the same way. In the same way. We do experience this discipline. In contrast to unbelievers who have a false sense of security, we believers have genuine security. And it's found in Christ's death for us. His death for us. That's the basis of our salvation. Not our good works. Not anything that we can do is the basis of our salvation. But what Jesus has done for us. So once we've trusted in Him as Lord and Savior though, we should show it through the life that we live. A changed life. Or an exchanged life. Reflects that we know Him. So Paul says here, whether we're awake or asleep, we'll be together with Him. When he talks about sleep there, he seems to be going back to what he said in chapter 4, talking about sleep being representative of death of the believer. So he's saying here, whether we die, whether we go through physical death, or whether we are alive at Christ's return, we will be together with Him. We will be with Him. Then in verse 11, he draws a conclusion, Therefore, 
Anytime in Paul's writings when you see therefore, stop and see what it's there for. Because he's drawing a conclusion based on what he's already said. So, based on what he said, therefore, encourage one another. Build one another up. Just as you're already doing. You're already doing that. You know? He says, I just, I just want to encourage you a little bit more about that. Just keep on doing what you're doing. Keep on encouraging one another and building one another up. Man, this world's a brutal place, isn't it? It's becoming more brutal all the time. And during all this pandemic, everything that we have gone through the last few months, one of the concerns that, that's, uh, that's growing is the mental and emotional state of people. Depression is rampant. You can understand why. Maybe you've struggled with it. So more than ever, we need to encourage one another. Who do you know who needs encouraging? What fellow believer do you know who might need encouraging? Maybe God just puts somebody on your mind from time to time. Maybe you ought to reach out to them, give them a phone call or text or something like that. And just encourage them. Just call them and just say, hey, just, just want to encourage you today. That's what we've got to do for one another as believers. God means for the church to be a place of mutual support. We're a support group for sinners. Sinners Anonymous. <laughs> Nobody's arrived yet, have they? We're all in the same boat. We're all in the same boat. Are you prepared for the day of the Lord? Do you know Christ as your Lord and Savior? Him who died for you. You can't do anything to produce salvation. You can't work for it. You can't earn it. Do you know Him? That's the way you get prepared, is by trusting Him as your Lord and Savior if you never have. The lines are being drawn. Light and dark becoming more distinctive all the time, aren't they? We see it around us all the time. If you're here and you are a believer, don't live like a person of the dark. You're a person of the light. Live like it. Live like it. Act like it. Don't be afraid to proclaim His name. He'll honor that. We come to the close of this service. Opportunity for you to respond in some way as God has been speaking to you. Maybe you just need to come and pray at the altar about something. Whatever it is that God's saying to you today. We open this up now for you to respond. For Him to open the eyes of your heart so you can respond to Him. Let's stand together. Father, we thank You so much for this opportunity to be here today to worship you and praise you. It's been a great day of worship here in your house. Father, I pray for every person here today and pray you would open the eyes of their heart. If there's one among us who doesn't know you in a personal way as Lord and Savior, Father, I pray they would step out and step forward, trust in you. Whatever needs there might be here today, Father, you're a Savior who's there for us at all times. And thank you for that hope that we have as believers. We know one day you are going to come back. And Father, we could be the generation that sees that. Help us in the meantime to be faithful. In Jesus' name, amen. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. 
Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. To see you high and lifted up. Shining in the light of your glory. Pour out your power and love as we sing holy, holy, holy. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. See you high and lifted up. Shining in the light of your glory. Pour out your power and love. As we sing, holy, 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 I want to see you. Great worship time this morning. Glad you're here to join us. Good to see Angela back and her, her bunch over there visiting back from Dallas. Yeah, good to see y'all. Good to see other visitors with us today. Glad y'all came to worship with us today. All right, remember to lift one another up in prayer. Just keep doing that. To be praying for our school system. Uh, they're cranking school back up. I think the children go back on, and young people go back on the 20th. Brother Wayne was telling me that earlier. Uh, teachers go back later on this week. So just be praying for our whole school system and uh uh, that uh, that whole thing needs our prayer, our teachers, uh, and also the parents too. Pray for the parents. All right. Okay, Brother Rogers is going to lead us in a song as we congratulations to, to Ben Vince. made Eagle Scout. Oh yeah, Ben's an Eagle Scout now. Yeah, congratulations, Ben. <laughs> God is so Have a great day.